So Patrick Long, if you could describe this lunch in one word, what would it be? Randomness. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Cool. And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio. Welcome to Dinner with Racers. Uh, I am Sean Heckman. And I am Ryan Eversley. So if you don't know us, good on you. Or Google it. Uh, anyway, we Google are coming it. to you live from uh, somewhere between Florida and Atlanta. We are wrapping up a 30-day trip around the country. And uh, we've driven how many miles? 8,000 miles. Uh, across 20 states. Yeah. And uh, we use my Acura MDX. And we did the whole thing on Continental Tires. Just to deliver 27 meals to your home in the form of a podcast. You better say thank you. So for this next one, we headed out to Venice, California. Yeah, California now. Venice uh, Beach in my To uh, meet a local boy out there, uh, young Patrick Long, who is a uh, American Porsche factory driver. He's a kid right? on his way up, right? <laughs> yeah, in his 30s. Yeah. Uh, he is currently the lone American Porsche factory driver out there. So Porsche basically Dude's employs him, pays a salary, tells him where to go, and he goes. And that's kind of his job. Here's the thing about Patrick. Being a Porsche factory driver, he's kind of cut and dry in the way he presents himself. He's very German. Known as, as sort of being a very professional in his presentation. That's all there is. Uh, but the Patrick that we know and love is actually very funny, very cool when, uh, nice. when he can be. Dry sense of humor. Ginger. Did we mention that already? I don't know, but we can't mention that enough. Okay. Currently teamed up with the very, very well-known Marco Seafried. Exactly. And the WC. Yep. Marco Seafried and Patrick Long took their first win. That's right. Uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, anyway, so that's that. So anyway, Patrick Long, very accomplished. He's one of the few Americans that's kind of won every major endurance race out there. He's won sure. Le Mans. He's won Daytona, Sebring, Petit Le Mans. Yep. Even the Baja 1000. That's right. That's so right. Even took a stab when he could at uh, NASCAR. Even ran a Sprint Cup race at Watkins Glen. Ran an Xfinity Series at Road America. Uh, and almost won a K&N race, beating Joey Logano in the last corner. And he talks about that in the podcast. Exactly. If you look him up on Wikipedia, it's funny. For his traditional sports car racing history as he has, it's all NASCAR stats. So, uh, yeah, come listen to Patrick Long talk about uh, both sides of his career. So we headed out to Deus Ex Machina in Venice. Uh, awesome place. Probably, probably the coolest stop, I think, for me because I'm a total gearhead with motorcycles. I have a couple myself, and this was just like kid in a candy store for me. Exactly. What did you have? I had the granola yogurt and uh, a latte. And I had a chicken sandwich. <laughs> and uh, let's hear some Patrick Long. Thanks once again to Continental Tire. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. Oh, look, Patrick is here. Oh, wow, he brought you with food. With my bacon avocado sandwich. I mean, chicken sandwich. <laughs> so, no, we were, uh, yeah. There you go. You're getting close. There he is. Careful of your sunglasses on the top of your head. LA Radio check. There we go. <laughs> uh, can you actually hear? Can okay. you hear us again? Yeah. No, I was just saying, so your email to me is like, yeah, you've been to Deus? I'm like, oh, I don't want to look like I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I haven't been yet. 
but uh, yeah, no, let's go there. And then I look it up, and all I'm reading about is Deus, this like motorcycle garage. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, that's not the place. And then I do a little bit more searching. It's like, oh, they've got a cafe attached. I'm like, I bet that's it. But I don't want to have like two different deuses that I don't know about. So I have to, I have to fess up. I'm like, okay, is it this? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, of course it is. Dipshit. Everybody knows that. So, ah, it's it's pretty low key, as you. It is. You've come to find out. It's everything I hoped it would be. Good. Now, is it a problem that we're not in flannel? Uh, definitely. Yep. And. Uh, Know, you should have a V-neck on as well. Uh, yeah, I don't have a V-neck. Flannel. I'm wearing uh, Pumas. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely yep. an East yeah. Coast transplant. <laughs> <laughs> How did you find this place? Um, I was racing V8 supercars, and we were cruising in Melbourne, and uh, I don't remember what the street was called, but it was just a fashionista street, and we walked into this pop-up store, and there was this brand, and I looked at my wife, and I was like, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. And um, <laughs> they're an Australian-based ba- brand that's around surfing and bicycles and motorcycles right. and just, yeah, what, what you see is what you get. But um, I knew this location. It used to be a florist um, on Lincoln and Venice uh, on the corner, and it's a pretty famous old building. Um, and one day I saw on the typical prop-up you know, gas station letters that it said, coming soon, Venice, or sorry, Los Angeles, Deus. And... I thought it's got to be a different dais. You know, it's in the standard black letters. Um, and sure enough, like three months later, they pulled the boards off the wall. And here we have this, you know, retro motorcycle coffee bar um, right in the thick of West L.A. Right. And, and everybody just threw their right. hands up like, where was this for the last 15 years? And uh, the the brand itself was pretty new to uh, America and it exploded pretty quick. And now it's it's as much an experience um, coming here as it is you know a clothing company or a motorcycle builder they build custom bikes i mean it's a it's a one-year late waiting list and uh, a lot of coin and it's kind of the bike of the celebrities it's kind of think singer of of motorcycles but um past that they've kind of just honed in on on just being more of a a lifestyle brand and uh, with that bikes are like retro style cafe racer types bobbers track yeah yeah yeah, and, and that is kind of evolved this the the cafe racer sort of uk scene has kind of evolved more into like street trackers um you know you see the scrambler that ducati just put out it's it's going a little more roughneck sort of brat style slash street um which i love you know vintage flat track was something that i grew up on i mean on any sunday was my bible and so to see that like street trackers are finally making it to mainstream is is it's kind of cool it's funny that you mentioned on any Sunday, and that's literally the shirt that Ryan's wearing right that's now. You're so and I didn't you're proud of yourself. Damn, like, yeah. well, I would have never we said that if I knew you were wearing that T-shirt. Yeah, when we were, uh, <laughs> you just gave him validity. I mean, I didn't know we were coming here. This is a shirt I just got because right. I love the shirt, and it's a Bruce Brown film. And if you've ever seen uh, uh, Dust of Glory, yeah. that's Dana yeah. Brown. That's his son. Yeah. And so I, once I saw that, that's what actually introduced me to the old, you know, endless summer videos and everything. Just trying to check the history on uh, Bruce Brown. And uh, when you said we were coming here, I was like, oh, yes. I mean, I don't have any skinny jeans because I don't own any skinny jeans. Yeah. But I was like, okay, I have a shirt that won't make me look completely moronic. If you did have skinny jeans, this would be the... the we are wearing yeah. yeah, I'm in a polo and, like, borderline jad jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fit in Actually, anywhere. hipsters these days, especially in Venice, are going as far away from the iconic hipster gear as ever. We were just talking about that. Out hipster hipsters. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You've got to go the opposite direction because now it's all available at Nordstrom. So The shirt that I came up with like a year and a half ago when I was making fun of Pompelli one day 
because he wants to be a hipster, was uh, <laughs> once everyone's a hipster, no one is. That's right. Yep. So that's the shirt I want. You yeah. know, if everyone's hipster, no one is. That's right. There you go. All right. You awake, by the way? Not I'm awake. I've been awake since 3 a.m. I'm on Japan time, so ah. um, fatherhood is unexpected. I mean, everybody tells you it's the greatest thing and wait for this and when you meet eyes and all that like cliche stuff, but um, it doesn't prepare you. Um, <laughs> it just, uh, y you can't, you can't explain it. So it's, it's awesome. Nice. Now I'm going to bring this up because it's staring me right in the face. Is that mustache? Has that been around a while? It's uh, technically a teen stash. Okay. Cause I'm pretty pissed off. I shave now Yeah. because <laughs> I grew out a pretty badass mustache. Well, oh, I had nice. a, the beard going, but this morning I was shaving. I was like, we're going to Venice. I think I'm supposed to have some sort yeah, of weird, creepy mustache. Yeah, yeah, if I'm going to partake in Movember, i got to start in <laughs> September. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So Ryan and I were talking on the way in, and, and uh, I don't want to hijack your question, Ryan, but Go we, were, we were wondering which Patrick Long we were going to get today. And the choices were uh, Porsche Robot, Patrick Long, or Mexican Wedding, Patrick Long. Yeah, you're going to get something in between. You're going to get, okay. like, off the clock. Patrick Long. Perfect. So, like, yeah. I'm not party time and I'm not work time. I'm just kind of like getting back onto mellow life right. time. Is this life in between races right now? You just sort of yeah. showing up at coffee shops and pretty random much. Meetings? Yeah. I mean, right now we're on a, a seven week string, which for the motorsport world isn't much. But for me, after being off the road in the summer because WC takes it off, I'm definitely back into the swing of things where yeah. you can't walk into my office because it's just dirty race suits and yeah. invoices that are way past due. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, I, I'll, I'll be home for three days, and then I leave uh, this weekend uh, to go do our young driver assessment yeah. uh, in, in Alabama, come back two days later, and then a, th a handful of days later go back over to China. So just kind of a few days, few days off and back on the road, which is probably 99% of the people that you're talking to right now yeah. life. Everybody's uh, enjoying no big it. big deal, yeah. Are you the only... Porsche factory guy at the driver assessment deal. Yeah, so yeah. And that's kind of your deal, though, isn't it? Yeah, we started it on the kind of a whim. It was a last-minute deal um, where Jens Falter, the president of North America, Porsche Motorsport North America, and I were talking about, you know, all the young drivers that are starting to key into one-make cup racing in North America, where it had traditionally been more of a, a journeyman series. Yeah. And I, I, I said to him, you know, the reason that all of us, are where we are is because of a young driver assessment that they did in Germany. They now do a super cup one where they take all of the different career cups from around the world and bring one together. Yeah. And I said, let's try and put something together for North America. And it was all green lights, uh, but we were all busy doing our own thing. And about a month before he called me and he's like, I have no time to put this together. Um, let's go to, that must've been 2012. Let's go to 13 with this concept. And I still like it. Um, it was modified based on what we did in Germany and what I went through myself in 2002. And I said, no, um, give this to me and let me let you make it fall on my face. But yeah. let me try to make let me try to make this happen. Yeah. And I had the time that I don't know what I was doing that year racing wise, but I had a couple weeks off and yeah. we threw it together and, and we've been ever every year since. And, um, you know, some guys have come through Spencer Piggott, Michael Lewis, um, you know, this year's champion from the series in, in America, Elliot Skier. Uh, we've had some great great kids come through and, yeah. and it's more of a assessment slash workshop we don't really you know scream and, and throw whistles in the air and, and award you something it's right. more like hey we want to give you a couple days in in a car and take a look at you and 
give you a takeaway, not just break you down and, and silently judge you, but uh, give you a bunch of takeaways. So it, it's, a, you know, standard stuff like media and, and, you know, the first day is all out of the car. Yeah. Um, and it's probably a more rigorous day than the second day, which is in car. Um, the, the selection process is um, down to Porsche North America and what they decide. It's not a uh, write in and uh, hope to be on American Idol. So it's, it's evolving always. But um, yeah, four drivers, a uh, couple days at the track. What's the hope for those guys when they come out of it? Uh, the hope for them is always different. Um, the, the we've graduated probably one out of four uh, each year has has found their way to the series um, and and a couple of them have have made even a couple more steps past Michael Lewis you know was full time in World Challenge this year um, and that all evolved out of a kid who was out of a ride um, coming out of formula cars in Europe and didn't even know what sports car series existed in the US so um, it's basically to get them on the radar um, of of not only Porsche but some of the media and, and other you know key members of the, the Porsche group and for for them to go away realizing where they're at and and if gt racing or porsche racing is what they thought it was going to be so for the media training it's like which uh color hue to use on instagram pictures and how to fit sentences into 140 characters it's basically how to clean and press a white crispy button-up <laughs> shirt and no um they it's fun i mean we've had justin bell out we've had uh uh, this year we're gonna have Bob Varsha, and it's very interactive. Um, it, it's not so much about just a, a 45 minute speech and then you go away. So um, yeah, we try to try to mix it up. So set the stage for us. We kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but where are we right now? And you don't have shoes on. Kind of explain <laughs> to me. Uh, <laughs> I just look down. I'm like, oh, those are toes. Sorry. No, it's, it's all good. This hey, this is your chill this period. Your deal, so like, I know yeah. I am. I barely wear pants. So <laughs> where are we right now? We're, we're on the roof at the place that you hang out but this is like the area you've grew up in or you moved here um i grew up in la about an hour north of here okay. um, kind of suburbia between the beach the valley and and the city um and and i now live uh two villages south of here on the coast manhattan beach which is just south of lax venice is your typical uh free spirited um get crazy uh, artistic but it's now had a huge movement of Google and, and a lot of tech movement. And so it's very progressive, uh, very high end, but um, pretty free spirited. And so I find myself, a lot of my friends away from uh, the racing scene live here. So we spend a lot of time here, but um, don't necessarily want to live here because um, it's, it's a little more wild than maybe right. you want full time. But um, yeah, Manhattan Beach is pretty, pretty mellow. But I hang out here a lot, especially days. It's just... Like I said, it's just a spot to have a 45-minute conversation with someone who's from in town or out of town. It's pretty central, and uh, traffic's not too bad. You don't have to access any freeways. Unless you're coming from Pasadena. Yeah, unless yep. you live in BF nowhere. <laughs> so the, the, the Young Drivers Test uh, actually brings up one, you know, we don't want to make this a bunch of Porsche questions, yeah, really but it does, bring it does bring one sort of central question, which is, in my observation, you and I actually haven't talked about this, but in my observation, you're doing things to set yourself up for life outside of the car. Yes um, and no. Okay. Um, I think there's a consistent food chain in everything, business, life, etc. cetera. Um, I enjoy working with some young drivers. I think that I had great mentors when I was 21 and wondering if I was going to make it. And I figured this would be a way to be a bit proactive, not only in, in learning the ropes and, and understanding where I might fit in the motorsport world after driving, but selfishly, I figured... If I'm going to have to 
pass the torch, l let me have a hand in it. Sure. And not just have someone thrown to me and then I got to give them my playbook. Right. So it was kind of a way to give back but also serve myself if that's completely forthcoming. Um, and then the other side of it is is that learning learning what, what you do well and what you don't do well outside of the race sure. car because it always seems easy, but um, it's not. And uh, I'm not a spreadsheet guy. I'm not an, an analyst, but uh, I like the strategy side. I like the interaction side. I like, um, you know, get, getting events right. from beginning to end. So that type of stuff. I've kind of found a little bit of a, a way there. I don't consider myself a great driving coach per se, but um, I'm, I'm good at preaching to kids who are looking for some direction and are very fragmented in which way to go or what dad says versus manager versus yeah. whoever. Right, exactly. Without without naming any names, are any of them just horrible? And, and I don't mean on track, like just attitude. Yeah. And right away you know, like, oh, you're never, you know. Not, not. I, I mean, I won't slam the gavel down like that because... I, if I sat with myself as a 19-year-old, I'd be like, Jesus, that was a painful experience. So I, I kind of try to look through that and see what the, what the end result could be. Um, but so far, you know, I was talking to Calvin Fish, who does some work with, with young drivers, and I told him that so far the 30-minute the lunch uh, meeting hasn't let me down in the sense of if you, if you really get a good feeling in that first 30 minutes um, – in how the kid approaches life or the conversation or how he eats his food, there's some transition or connection to how they operate at on track and around the track. And that's worked for me. I, I, I guess the second part of that is if you can't get through 30 minutes of lunch, then you don't really want to be in regular contact or work with them down the yeah. road. Yeah. I, I get the question all the time because I've clearly made it. That's why I'm sitting <laughs> on a roof time. with you in Venice. Um, uh, how do you make it as a race car driver? And I always, you know, Lally kind of said, don't be bitter. That's his thing. That's his big thing. And I just say, be likable because a lot of our business, as you know, is driving with guys that aren't doing this for a living. They're doing it for fun. And this is vacation. And if you're a snot-nosed pain in the ass, they're not going to want to go to dinner with you. They're not going to want their wife to go to dinner with you. And then you're out. So like you say, if you can't get through a 30-minute lunch with somebody, you're probably not long for the world. Yeah, no, I agree with you. That's great. That's a great way to sum it up. I, I honestly can't answer that question when if someone is willing to ask it to me um but i do say that today's young aspiring racing driver has a harder road than than what you or i was or or you sean were faced with is because social media literally makes you think you're someone you're not <laughs> and you, you know we had our our supporters our sponsors our friends our family who were pumping us up and trying to keep us confident so we could win a race or whatever and that certainly creates a little bit of a complex but man when the whole world is jocking you i think that makes it really difficult for a youngster and um i am i think if social media was around when i was right on that cusp i probably would have blown it yeah so i'm glad you kind of brought that up because you and i met a long time ago how old are you now i'm 34 okay so i'm 31 you're a couple years older you were racing for Peterson White Lightning. This is years ago. I mean, this is like 90. See, I don't know how this is going to end. It's right okay. Here. It actually ends really well <laughs> because I'm I'm with you here. Yeah, he doesn't I'm on know the same I'm train. Yeah, I'm on the same. So Gunnar Jeanette introduced us at Road Atlanta Petite like 20 years ago. You were uh, 14 years old, no, <laughs> um, but a long time ago. And you snubbed me. It was uh, a very. See, I, I was going to say it could go either way here. Very yep. quick, like oh uh, yeah, what's up? And I was like, I, I want to be you, and you're already racing ALMS, and I'm not racing anything. And I was like, no, like, American guy, American guy. And you gave me the kind of just like, yeah, yeah. 
And then, uh, you know, I got to meet you throughout the years, and, and now I know that you're not like that. And then we went to Mexico for a wedding this year, and uh, Sean wasn't invited. And <laughs> yep, it's true. Not welcome. And uh, you Who's and I wedding? are, like, starting a, a guy named... It was Elsa and... Okay. Yeah. All right, that's out there. So you and I go it to... awesome. And Elsa <laughs> Oliveira's wedding. And... Uh, you're right next to me on the dance floor, like starting trouble and you know getting carried away with the night. And it was like, oh man, okay, Pat's you know he's a regular guy. Do you think it's because of the success you've had in your career, getting older, you've got a kid now, you're married, like you you kind of know where you are in the world, and now you can relax and you don't have to have sort of a front? Or do you think it was just being a 19 year old kid who was on top of the world already? You know, the those years were like my first couple of years back from seven years abroad, um, where. You know, this this sounds like a sob story excuse, but you know, over there, you're the black sheep, you're the one American, and your elbows are up. and And the European national racing scene is not to make friends with your your competition or the paddock. It's come do your job, and you know, if someone sees you in their mirror, hopefully they fear you. So I think a little bit of it was just coming off of that seven years of just being a dick and just trying to win races. Um, the, there's never really been a part of me that's thought, oh, I'm a Porsche factory driver and, you know, who's this toolbox? You know, it's more just, I think it was my guard or, or some some way of being almost, you know, shy, which is easily attributed to being arrogant. But um, I, the other side of it is I've learned a ton um, in, you know, the, the years I've been around a lot of uh, elder drivers that uh, have broke it down for me quickly. And those are the ones, uh, you know, they, they, they humble you quick. They call you on your crap quick. And, um, I think it's just a combination of maturing. I think I was, as a 22-year-old kid, yeah, had a lot of growing up to do still. Um, and, uh, yeah, not going to get all sob sobby on you now, but uh, good good thing you gave me a second chance. 40 tequilas in. I brought you back. We have yet to I get tears on this podcast, so I think <laughs> you should yeah. be our first. <laughs> right. This should not be the first happen. on the post. Right. Do you have any dead puppies or anything? Uh, wow. yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm going. Yeah. I'm a dog I'm guy, so now you're okay. now you're yeah. really pulling. Well, there so is he? That's why. So like, what kind of dog? Um, I have a golden retriever. Um, he's a mix, so he's like a golden retriever on steroids or oh, so some other big. illegal substance. Yeah. No, he's just out of control. <laughs> he's okay. on fast forward, so he's like three quarters the size of a normal golden retriever with twice the energy. Nice. But I grew up with Australian Shepherd, um, so dogs are. So that's, awesome. that's a big part of your family. Well, and yeah. a golden retriever where you live—that's a—that's a beach kind of dog. Yeah, it's pretty—it's pretty waspy. It's pretty turnkey. Like the family in Manhattan Beach got a golden retriever, but this dog's a, a nut, so he he rubs that right away. Nice. That's our first waspy on the air. That is. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like. I that. hope to give you many firsts today. That's <laughs> my goal. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't want to go over the resume stuff, but the. Uh, your young idiot European exploits. Uh, I don't know that that's really out there. So we, we try and avoid the chronology stuff, but you know, basically you were, you were part of the California karting scene, which is to me insane how many of us came out of that. You know, the, just listen off some California guys, you, Joey, Mimo, Scott Speed. Uh, I mean, it's kind of, it's crazy to me how many, AJ Allmendinger. Um, but you went a very different route because at a certain point you were off to Europe in Formula Renault, correct? Yeah, um, I, I started going over in the summers for karting, and as a lot of us did, yeah. just getting your butt handed to you because it's a whole different scene, different tires, different everything. Um, and and one of the race teams, CRG, that I was driving for their importer here, the the Don, the big boss, pulled my dad aside in his broken Italian and said, hey, "We think your kid is maybe got it, but you know he needs to. I'll say, spare you the bad 
accent. He needs to live over here and eat, breathe, sleep, live racing if he wants a shot. He can't just show up for summer vacation and think he's going to make it even to the final. Yeah. Um, so that was the beginning of it. So at 16, I packed up and left my friends and family behind as a junior and just stayed over a junior in high school and just sort of stayed in Europe full time. My, my first roommate was Ryan Briscoe. We lived ab above the workshop uh, at CRG in small town in Italy. And what was that guy like? Awesome. I mean, he probably people are like, how could you go to it Italy where no one speaks English at 16? And my standard answer is, well, you're too young and dumb to know and you just want to race. But you just go. it was yeah. probably partly having a cool Australian and Japanese roommate who <coughs> kind of eased the pain of being in a small town, you know, or wasn't sitting in a basement alone by any stretch. I mean, right. we were too young to get awesome <laughs> on the weekends, even though at 16, you could pretty much do anything in Italy. Um, but we still had a good time and managed to hop up our 50cc scooters and you know, tick some people off. So yeah. Nice, yeah. nice, nice, nice. So you did years in Formula Renault. What were some of the guys you ran against? Oh uh, well, you know, the Danny Watts was the champion in the year I did Formula Renault, which was 2002, when I was about out of money. I tried to make a jump to Formula Three and didn't have the <coughs> the dosh, as they say. But um, you know, Jamie Green was my other teammate. Uh, Lewis Hamilton. I think think that guy was that his name? Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, he, he was he's uh, still an open relationship. So I started I actually started with Manor Motorsport who is in Formula One right now and that was the team to be at. Um, and then there was this rookie kid, Lewis Hamilton, who we had all heard of because of go karting and it was his first year in cars, but at this point he's already McLaren. Yeah, he's already kid. full yeah. McLaren. So there's three white cars and one silver car. Did he have the blonde hair yet? No, this no, but blonde hair? Yeah, no, okay. he's yeah. he's uh still still minus the yeah, no, it he's I still run into him and he's a great guy. Um I give him credit for doing his own thing as a Absolutely. Formula One driver. Yeah. But, um, yeah, raw, raw talent at 17 or whatever he was then. Um, you know, we're, we're both sharing hotel rooms because neither one of us had the money to have our own Campanile or, you know, yeah. Holiday and Express room. But um, fast, really fast, uh, raw. And um, I think the second year, once I had uh, – well, after I was gone, <laughs> he cleaned up and, you know, went on to his, his yeah. ways. But, yeah, Formula Renault, Formula Ford over there was stacked. I mean, I it's a name-dropping session in itself to think about the guys that I lined up next to. I mean, as a junior in go-karting, I've got pictures sitting next to Fernando Alonso on, you know, position or row four. Like, both of us are just trying to get to the front. So it was a good chunk of, of years in there where, um, you know, England was kind of the, the melting pot. It's kind of diluted a little bit now into Euro series and French series and, you know, even the Asian series. But back then you pretty much had to be in the UK as, as you know. So, um, yeah, it was a great, great, great time of, of, uh, learning a lot on the track and learning how to be close shouldered and don't say hello to anybody, but also party time on the weekends. Right. So who was it that you got into with the form of the Ford festival? Uh, he's a he's a Swedish factory driver for Volvo, Robert Dahlgren. Um, he was a third-year veteran in Formula Ford. And um, we went into the last round of the championship. This is 2001. And uh, it was one of those classic things where he's one point ahead. He's one position behind me. He takes me out in the second-to-last corner, and he wins a championship. And it all went down like, like one of those storybooks. And so me being me um uh, you know I, I go to the pub and tell everybody that he's he's got one more one more race in formula ford and so do i and he's <laughs> gonna have it back harder and and meaner than what he gave it to me the thing was is that we had had three restarts in the pre-final at the formula ford festival which is the world championships of formula ford it's the one race everybody wants to win and on they do it on aggregate when they have red flags because it was raining and it was a typical day at Brands Indy. So I had the thing locked up because I had been leading by a good stretch in the first two. But on the last restart, all I had to do was finish second. 
behind him and I would have started on pole and I had the factory car and it would have been see ya because in the wet our car was just money and uh he started backing me up into druids and and just kind of effing with me trying to get people behind me to get up and mix it up with me maybe get me taken out and so i just put my nose on his gearbox and turned left i'd seen the move earlier in the week and i was like that is genius and so it just sent him as an, <laughs> in a 90 degree corner you know right into the barrier total asinine dangerous move <laughs> but to me i thought it like i just like pulled it off with one of that mastery. Age, you're like, yeah and so i'm up win. on the podium yeah. like he had it come in that's that's what you get and like over the PA system like hello so drive up to the grid you know my hair's all moosed up and I'm ready to like win the Formula Ford festival <laughs> and the grid guys like nope I don't even see you on the paperwork you're not your car number you must not have made the final and I'm looking oh, at wow. him like dude Did don't you, you know who I am right 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 and <laughs> they're like sorry you're you're gone go pack your <laughs> you're out and that was, so you got kicked out of the Formula right Ford there. festival right never took the start of the final <laughs> <laughs> so that's another so yeah, one learning on experience. The right. yeah, another yeah. learning experience. Another learning Because you're experience. like, what, 20-something, 20 22? 20 years old, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. like, this is six weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. This was last weekend. So did you ever catch up with that guy again and, like, oh, sort yeah. it out? Yeah, it was funny. I actually saw him at Daytona, like, 2007. He was walking the paddock. and uh, Did you just, just you know, mother I was. I right figured he was still mad, and I was still mad. And he came up to me and put his arm around me. He's like, "Do you remember me?" I'm like, "That's a cool guy." Like you, you can just laugh me. about <laughs> it. No, no, he just laughed about it. Obviously, then he wasn't laughing about it as he like, you know, my whole world head on into the yeah, barrier. But right. oh, my whole world's over. My career. Yeah, yeah, no, there was no sand trap in that corner. So, um, <laughs> did you know uh, that? Oh well, no, you don't assess risk at 20 years old. <laughs> I just had seen that move in one of the heat races, and I was like, "I'm going to do that." <laughs> That's my move. That's excellent. So then uh, another thing I didn't know about you is the uh, factory deal that you had a long time ago, back in 01, 02. Yeah, right? some other manufacturer. The team was PTG. I can't remember who the manufacturer was. But huh. we'll, bleep Tom okay. Milner, we'll bleep it out. Tom we'll Milner. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, Tom Milner was actually, um, through, a, through a mutual contact, Mark Coughlin, who's a guy who's been involved in racing for a long time and, you know, sponsorship agency type stuff. They were looking to, to replace, I think, Boris and Stuck with BMW NA wanted a young driver group and so they called a bunch of people for a shootout at Sebring and uh, I had just had like some email argument with Danica and, and <laughs> kind of like <laughs> went off on her for some stupid thing that we had done in Europe or whatever and here she was at the test so it was her and I and Elton Julian and then you had Bill as the the big factory shoes set in the baseline and the perfect example of being at a runoff on the other side of the fence and right. um, Tom Milner just total ball buster yeah. greatest guy still. still a great friend um but hardcore i yeah. mean literally one time i put it in the it, one of the tests i p nosed it into the wall and like scratched the paint and he literally came up as i was coming back in the safety truck and punched me as hard as he could in really? the arm yeah and was like don't ever crash my car again like just <laughs> unreal so great <laughs> great great that. memories but right. yeah he's still every time he can <laughs> he finds me in the paddock and says you know you'll never have a better driving opportunity than with me because i paid you and you never even effing raced for me because they pulled out for was that your reasons. tom milner impression, it's actually really good you are a master of impressionist that is really oh, good i know i do try <laughs> <That> <laughs> we're in la Seriously, I, I, was really I just saw him at laguna my for the finale i was like whoa yeah if yeah. only you knew anything about uh, well come on actors. you gotta have it's like half east coast half german it's not really <laughs> yeah. either one it's something in between. i was at a test with uh for a gs team in a porsche and he was there with their panos when they had the panos deal and tommy jr goes out and uh destroys the thing on the outlap at some point and it was like the whole front end was this total development piece they were trying out and he literally lost it on cold tires and just ripped the whole front end off 
and his dad took his he- his headset off and threw it across the front <laughs> straightaway and just started screaming obscenities. And I was like, oh man, Tommy's not gonna make it. That's not gonna you be know, a good like day. he's yeah. gonna kill his kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. I remember Tommy was like, just started doing some KRC arrive and drive go karting out here in Willow Springs when we were doing that deal and like talk about full circle feeling old but no there was um we so we never ended up racing but um tom honored the agreement and everything but uh one of the tests at sebring when we were sort of still deciding how we were going to race if we were going to race um bill totally instigated something oberlin with the young drivers and i won't go into detail we'll save the the time but why not that there was some there was some bodywork damage. No no massive crash, but a little bit of rubbing if, if we would say on cars? the rental cars. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh it just so happened that the car that took damage was rented by Tom for one of the undisclosed young drivers. Ah. And so being Bill Oberlin and just making it hard on the young guys, so he instigated it all and then he went and told Tattletailed and another nice interaction <coughs> with our with our new boss so great great times so speaking of impressions let's uh i am told (laughs) and i've witnessed you and we can edit this later an amazing bill oberlin impression no come on do it you know what no one could impersonate that guy (laughs) if anybody could (laughs) no no if just one guy but if one guy at this table i have so much respect for his candidness oh you no no no, no. he said candidness he didn't say anything else (laughs) so next question so i don't think a lot of people know you were uh, up for the Red Bull program way back when. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's a huge that secret, okay. but um, that was my gateway to Porsche, actually. Um, you know, the, the, it was the first round of the U.S. Formula One driver search. So this is like back in 2002, Red yeah. Bull announced that they were going to find a young American driver, cultivate him. They had this whole little development runoff program thing. And, Correct. And there was you and a handful of guys were, were up for it. Yeah, they... Um, basically came out in the media and said look we have a u.s grand prix now a couple years going at indy and we've got no u.s driver and and corporate america is not going to step up we're going to step up and we're going to we're going to make this uh, a a mainstream talent search for a formula one driver and we're going to take them to formula one and so of course a few of us there was only a couple guys that each year living and racing in europe it's, it's much more popular these days we think well finally our gravy train has showed up and 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 then we see the list they they employed danny sullivan to go to every track in america from short track dirt tracks to drag racing to obviously formula car racing in europe and put together a list and um it was a pretty crazy list ryan hunter ray aj allmendinger joey hand um scott speed myself i mean a lot of a lot of california Carter kids that you had mentioned earlier um it was a a strong group and and basically they took us around the grand prix at indy um and and announced to the formula one world that that somewhere in here was one of the best drivers or the best driver in road racing in in that's from the u.s or has a u.s passport so the little bit of maturity i had in me knew in the back of my mind that this was a win no matter what and that it was gonna be a crapshoot because 16 into one yeah (laughs) <laughs> you know, with that with that lineup of guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't you don't know how it's going to go down. But I was still pretty confident because I was living over there and running those types of cars, stuff, and right. the test was at Paul Ricard, and I knew that track. And um, anyways, uh, it didn't go the way I hoped. I, I went from 16 down to the final six, and they took four out of the six. The interesting part, the kind of backstory of that, um, was that there was a group of highly clouded judges and all this testing in different cars and bsr formula three cars and 
Formula 3000, everything you could hope for with Red Bull all over it. Yeah. You know, we're all in our brand new Alpine Star suits, and it's just awesome. We're staying at Bernie's Hotel across the street. Yeah. And then this guy, Helmet Marco, shows up, right. and everybody's like, you know, you cue the Star Wars music, like literally <laughs> crazy craziness. Star and yeah. Um, and he just basically pushes all the paperwork off the tables and he's like, okay, put them all in cars. Let's see them. And like five laps, he made his decisions on everything. Right. It's like everybody else was just, this is my take on it. Yeah. Everybody else was kind of put to a second, second seat on the deal. And, um, he saw certain things in certain people and it was his his show and that was it so you know i'm head in my hands flying back the next morning with a couple other guys that got dropped like a bad habit thinking yeah. all right i literally at that point was barely squeaked by on the formula renault season no way i was going to put a formula three to deal together so it was back to the u.s start working in the wood shop for my dad try to put a couple of atlantic races together bobby uh, Ray Hall had said, look, you know, we can do something here and I can try and help you. He was he was a big part of, of yeah. helping me out. And Porsche called Danny Sullivan and was like, you know, we saw something in a couple of kids that we'd like to take a look at. If you haven't taken them, can you send them our way? And so the next morning I was in Vysok and I opened the pearly gates and it was like, this is this is awesome. Right. You yeah. know, this is not Formula One, but this is unbelievable. <coughs> and yeah, the, the rest is history, as they say. I mean, I, I tested for their UPS junior team, which is their farm league, in-house farm league, yeah. race career cup and super cup, one make Porsche racing in Europe um, that next year. And then the year after was 2004 and I was signed full time to be an ALMS. I never raced in the U.S. at that level. I had done some skip barber regional stuff, but I didn't know the racetracks. I didn't know what ALMS barely was i was still learning the sports car rules and regulations and i showed up in 03 at the end for petit le mans and drove with uh trg just to kind of get my feet wet um but yeah really interesting education a quick immersion into sports car racing in a great era of gt racing against the alex jobs and the reezys and um one step back from that was i had been introduced in 1999 to le mans um through living in Le Mans, going to this racing university that's called La Filière. And I want you to ask Oriel about La Filière because he also Hold came on to through that. that. We got a segment for that. Got it. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> you know, Frank Montagny, uh, you know, Garcia, Oriel. Was Montagny a good, uh, good guy to party with? <laughs> Does he have a good time? <laughs> Next good question. Time? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, a lot of guys came out of there, Collar, and, you know, a lot of French guys, Bourdais, they all came through La Filière, and it was this racing university. But, long story short, we got a ticket to Le Mans, which is where we went to school every day in the center of the racetrack in the Techno Park. We got a ticket to, to check the race out. It was a weekend off from racing in the French Formula car. We were in, like, the Skip Barber equivalency one make series in France and going to university in between the race weekends. And they said, here's a ticket one ticket per three guys to Le Mans and you could just rotate through the 24 hours and check it out. And 99 was a pretty cool year. That was the last year that Mercedes was there when Dumbreck went over and Weber went over. It was Nissan had something in there. Obviously BMW won. Toyota was there for the last year with their monster LMP1, whatever it was called then, GT1. Um, <coughs> and I just, my eyes were open to the world of sports car racing at the very best event um, and, and pretty overwhelming, awesome event. So three years later when the phone rings and it's Porsche I'm still kind of on the fence like maybe I can make it in Atlantic racing because right. right. I assume the psychology at this point is you take a factory deal your dream of open wheel of driving the Indy 500 it's being an F1 driver is difficult. over yeah. right. well they made it really clear to me <coughs> they were like <laughs> we like what we saw we want to sign you but 
we've seen this too many times. Lucas Lure, Timo Bernard, Mark Lieb. These guys had all come through right out of formula car racing. And they, some, I don't know which ones had said, hey, can I do some formula car racing in my off weekends? They were like, if you come with us, it's us. That's You're it. You're not yeah. going back home and racing in some other championship. So this, this is a choice now. So yeah. that left me sort of like in this question in my mind of do I or don't I? And that just goes to show, I, I still talk to a lot of young drivers these days who are like, I'm thinking I might be able to do three Formula Mazda races next year, or I have this Conti season fully paid for, yep. and I'm like, what? Like, what are you thinking? Right, right. So, but that was me. Yeah. And so yeah. I had to go home and think about it. Yeah. And this is a story I've told a lot in the media, and forgive me if you've heard it 15 times, but I called like 20 people that would answer my phone call, and they all answered the same thing. Like, just take it. What? Like, it's Porsche. They've been in motorsport forever. They're yeah. loyal to their drivers. Their stuff wins. You're a young snot-nosed punk to even yeah. be asking this question. Sure. And I never looked back since then. I've never wondered or said, what about that or this? And yeah. the coolest part is they've let me go try some other types of racing later on in yeah. my career with them. So they're not jealous lovers in the sense that, like, if you want to go do a V8 race or you want to try a nationwide race on the road course or a rally car race, they're they're fine with it. As long as you're not competing against Porsche and you're not, quote, busy when they need you, um, they're pretty pretty willing. So I've been able to kind of revisit other types of racing that maybe I thought would have been cool to race a late model at Mobile, Alabama. Right. I've been able to go down and do that stuff. So, so speaking of NASCAR, uh we were talking about this on the drive-in. You, you were so close to winning your big Canon <laughs> road race outbreak. <laughs> oh at, man, this at is another. Sonoma. This is another Formula Ford right, festival. Right, exactly. It yeah. goes back to the story yeah, from earlier. So you so have this history of dumping people. Yeah, and yet not anymore. Like, why I'm, are you I'm so now, aggressive? <laughs> I'm now from? like really mellow. But, um, but basically, the big sprint, the big sprint cup race at Sonoma, and I forget what year it was, like '08 or something like that. Yeah. Um, K&N is the lead in. It's the Saturday race. There's no nationwide. So it's you and some new big nationwide kid named Joey Logano who's slice, in his rookie year. Slice bread. bread. Yeah. And toast. And it's you and him the whole race. And you're on him. And what happens on the on the check, uh, white flag lab? Well, I it was the typical bump and run. And yeah. I thought I pulled it off with Mastery, With like gusto. it was right. perfect. <laughs> like I didn't dump them, I didn't spin them, I moved them. Yeah, and uh, that's all I've ever grown up watching. I mean, I went to Bristol in '88 as a six-year-old kid as a NASCAR fan and sat in the stands with binoculars and watched Dale Earnhardt. So I've seen that crap since I before I started racing go karts. Yeah. and I thought, like I went across the start finish line. I'm like, this is amazing. Nailed it. Yeah. You yeah. know, and yeah. and then you know it's this <coughs> typical deal. I mean, I should have learned eight years earlier at the Formula Ford Festival. This time I didn't run my mouth, but I took out the guy that was paid to show up. Uh, and that's literally the words I got in the in the hauler. Wow. Was like, oh no, they literally wow. said like, you took him out specifically. You dumped the guy that we paid to show up. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> it's something that along sucks. those lines. Yeah. And I won't say who or yeah, where, yeah. but yeah. you can Good figure enough. it out. Yeah. So yeah, backing up, it was one of those deals where I'm running for a local team of a of a guy that from from uh, your neck of the woods. Where where is he? He's like from Fontana area, Sunrise. He's I love that Bob Pasadena is in the same category as Fontana. Yeah, it's like by out the there where it's, it's like where the wind blows right. and you're at the base of the mountain. So yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's Pasadena. Yeah, so um, <laughs> Pasadena is pretty nice actually. We did yeah, an yeah. event there a couple years ago. Oh yeah, no, it's actually a nice area, and yeah. it's in fact not Fontana. I I, <laughs> I realize I finally finally offended you in yes. all the years that I've yeah. met you. So you insult my my current home. So yeah, so we're the local we're the local ringer team, uh, road course only guy, and um, then Joe Gibbs shows up with the Home Depot whatever it was Chevy Lumina, like you know they've got Immaculate. thirty times the guys that everybody yeah. else has got. Everybody else is in jeans, and they're like the Cup team, right? And 
I put it on poll. He's second, and he comes up to me at introductions, and he's like, where'd you come from? And I'm like, <laughs> well, see you later. Yeah, exactly. you know? so yeah. I pass them fair and square, and they throw yellow, the typical green-white checkered yellow. But on the road course, they revert back to the last time you went across start-finish. So that was like three minutes before I had made the overtaking maneuver to take the lead through strategy. And, oh, lo and behold, I'm third. I'm not going to lead into the green-white checkered. So, yeah, my Irish was up. Um, at that point, <laughs> I figured flared a little bit. I figured I'd rather, I'd rather go for the win than, you know, finish second to yeah, yeah. to who was gonna win the race anyways. So right. yeah. Now was it is in the back of your mind? I mean, you were obviously you. I'll give you credit because you're you just love all kinds of racing. I was at Irwindale with a client, and you were there in the stands just as a fan, which yep. blew my mind for just a, a late model race. Uh, but but, you know, you were on that path for a couple of years. You were doing more and more in stock cars. Uh, but uh, you were up for a, a nationwide deal, as I remember, with Roger Penske for a few races. I don't know if that's yeah. public or not. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, was was this the path you were kind of looking at going for a couple of years? You know, it it did kind of start when I was driving in the RS Spider program. Um, you know, walking around Penske and Mooresville, there's a lot of nice stuff. And you know, the RS Spiders were prepped just around the hall from all the Cup team, all the nationwide team, the IndyCar team was there, and I was just keen to get in one of those i had always wondered what it would have been like especially on a road course with a live axle and that much horsepower <laughs> welcome to la here we go um and rooftop and so uh, i it, they weren't going to throw me the keys to a nationwide car i i thought that might be possible but they're pretty pragmatic and and they were very open with me i mean they said look you need to go get your feet wet and figure this out before you make a fool of yourself you can't just jump straight in and i think a lot of guys would attest that it's not that easy so fine i went and talked to some people who are always kind of in the background like hey if you ever want to do something we'd love to help you out obviously you don't need funding to go porsche racing but if you want to do something yep. let us know so fast forward we go and we went all the way from the bottom from late models to cup and i got into everything you know we did all right we won an arca race and and a couple of k&n races um the nationwide deal you know top 10 qualifying st type stuff but it's a lot harder than it looks especially yeah. in this day and age <coughs> the, the day of the ringer is gone i'm sure you guys have covered so yeah the if goal no, we haven't okay no, give well, us too much credit. <laughs> yeah so the, 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 the news yeah here. anyways the uh yeah the the day of the ringer is that you used to be able to be scott pruitt or andy lally and just jump in and put it on pole and now the 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 roundy round guys have figured out how to go very fast on a road course <coughs> and their stuff is super strong at the front and yeah. i don't care who you are you can't show up with a start and park team and and get into the top 10 it's Absolutely. just those days are gone it used to happen you know tommy kendall um a lot of them have done it over the years um but anyways yeah so i i there was a two there was a two-part goal one was just to experience it to take it off the bucket list to wonder what it was like to hold it wide open in turn one qualifying at iowa um and the other side of it was <laughs> <laughs> we, we must have it must be I like a, a yeah. fight at the boardwalk because that's <laughs> usually what goes down around here and that's cool um so, so we're going to the boardwalk next. yeah oh yeah, that's nice yeah, yeah yeah go on i'm sorry muscle beach so um, this is a really long answer but um <laughs> the bottom line <laughs> the bottom line is i wanted to experience it but i also wanted to do some legitimate road course racing sure. and i knew i had to pay my dues at the bottom level and learn how learn what track bars were and wedge yeah. and not just show up and be like give me three clicks of high speed when there's no high speed on the damper sure. Yeah. sure and you were up for can you were up for the 22 car um in nationwide which is like that is if you're going to run a road course uh, that's a penske owned car uh, a bunch of guys have run through it and that's a winning winning car and as i was told in 2013 you were up for for all the road course races with Penske in the Xfinity series. So it was the 20 mid-Ohio, Road America, Watkins Glen. 
Yeah, um, I can't comment. I okay. can't comment on rumors. Okay. I can't comment on rumors. Maybe. <laughs> um, but the bottom line is, is that work called. I I didn't yeah. think I was going to have a Lamar ride that year, and uh, the story the story is that you know I might have had a ride, and uh, and the phone rang, and it was like, story hey, is. we have this really interesting idea, and yeah. you may go to Lamar with Patrick Dempsey, and and um, try to try to go challenge the rest of the the category, and I thought, yeah, yeah. let's talk about it, and so that was the beginning of where my full time ride is today. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting. Um, fork in the road that maybe yeah. was a little bit of uh, wishy-washy at the time but now obviously it probably wouldn't have been healthy for my career to say ah oh, no I'm gonna go you know play in some stock cars um, at the same time you know where where would we all be today you know and is it crazy to look at your career today and say my teammate is Marco Seafried? no um, <laughs> it's awesome that guy is like the most underrated driver on this planet, and I don't think he wants that out there because he's a silver. I know. Oh, sorry, that's yeah, right. He's that's very right. happy as a silver. We See, already met with both. So. See, you, <laughs> you got me in my 30s. I'm telling politically incorrect stories. I don't care about the politics anymore. So, so 40s are going to be awesome. <laughs> I'll be that guy at a wedding who wasn't invited. Just so slurs. <laughs> um, like Sean. <laughs> so uh, I'm angry. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Seafried is Seafried's great, man. That guy. So I raced I, I raced against him in Super Cup over ten years ago, and he's a mechanic and just wa- wanted to race. I mean, sounds familiar, you know. But <laughs> right. um, yeah, I'm like, I don't know anybody so, like that. So um, just a guy that just works so hard, and it was one of the deals where I kind of like my diva moments that come out regularly. <laughs> I just said I have to have this guy on the team. It's the it's the the gel that we need between. Patrick and I, uh, as a guy who's just selfless, doesn't need a lot of time in the car, is just rock solid, reliable, and uh, yeah, it's been a great season. He's, a, you know, he was out here for Rensport reunion as a fan. Talk about as a fan. That's yeah. awesome. And I gave him the keys to one of my vintage cars, and and I was like, it's a long drive, but if you've always wanted to do it, why not do it in a '73 911? And man, like, not a more grateful guy that literally sat in that car and sweat his you know what off for You're eight hours and came with a smile just sure. bloodshot eyes and was like that was awesome you know no ac and just by himself you know it's really? just, he's just a great guy that is awesome i didn't know that about him yeah we'd known each other marco and i for like an hour at sebring back in uh, 2014 and we started doing video segments for magnus and the things i got him to say on camera having not known me nor my sense of humor I give him a ton of credit how he just jumps right in so. see that's the thing about you guys it's always a little nerve-wracking but there's some there's some form of it's okay if you're with Sean you know like oh that's a career-ending mistake right there. <laughs> I don't know it, it's it just it eases the pain of all the trouble I'm gonna be in for this interview you know yeah because they love me over there at Porsche everybody loves you <laughs> lots of fans, <laughs> lots of fans. <laughs> I got six followers on Twitter um, yeah I got nothing I told Shane Mahoney yesterday I said I'm doing an interview with with Heckman and he's like oh <laughs> no, he, no. He was like, "That's awesome." Can we talk about that <laughs> for a second? Like, yeah. He's like, "That's right. awesome." Like, yeah, Shane and I go way back. But um, let's see. So, so off the track here. So here we are at Dais, and you put together your first car show here a couple of years ago. And what 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 I like about that it's not so much that you're putting on car shows or anything like that. It's that you're a racing driver who finally has to do real administrative work. Yeah, I yeah. mean, not have well, to. No, I was going to say, he doesn't have, have to, to, which right. is more impressive to me because he's doing it 
in your spare time. I don't mean it like that. I, mean, I just <laughs> well, meant no, like no, no, Porsche no. didn't ask me to do it. Well, or right, no, right, right, that right, to right. me is more impressive than saying, hey, we're paying you salary. You no, figure it out. No, no, trust you, me. You wanted to because you love the brand. You love the cars and the history. Yeah, there's not a dollar in it. I basically, um, I don't tell short stories, so here we go. That's um, right. <laughs> I, <laughs> fell, I fell in love with uh, the vintage 911 a long time ago, but I didn't know anything about it. I would just right. you know, test a car or race a car and be like, oh, that was awesome. That was cool, but I don't even know what I just drove. And so I really started getting back into the history of the road car side of the company. I knew in the, ro the racing history, but as I started getting more involved in the road car side of it and the market being very strong, um, I decided to play with a few vintage 911s rather than you know, pushing numbers on the stock market and just fell way into the nerd side of collecting right. vintage 911s and started going to shows. I, I grew up going to vintage car shows with my uncle and my grandpa. That's how I got into racing. And I as much as I'd been exposed to it, I still couldn't find a way to like convince a non-motorsport friend to go with me because it was just a little too stiff and a little too like you have the wrong hubcap on your car. Yeah. And I was... I was f I'd find myself at a barbecue. I'd go with my wife to a barbecue with our friends here in Venice. And then I'd come out and like the neighbors would be like looking at this car and be like, tell me about this. We don't know anything about this. We see them over on Abbott Kinney. But, and I just thought, let's do an event that brings people from outside the car nerd world to an exposure of an event that people would want to be at regardless of the cars. But people who do want to learn a little bit about Porsche's history, let's line them all up here in the parking lot at a great place on the corner of one of the busiest streets in, in Venice, West LA, and, and just let people trickle in with their baby carriages and their random dogs and rub up against you know Chad McQueen's car and check out some cool stuff. And um, it, we didn't know what to expect. The, the guys at Deus were like, no problem. Typical Aussies like, yeah, man, no worries. Like why we're on our, their roof right now. They're just <laughs> like, there's, they don't really ask to, for you to sign anything or promise anything. And it just exploded. Um, the power of social media and, and you know, certain people showing up, uh, the Jeff Swartz of the world, um, it just blew up with yeah. no media and no marketing. And, and then we thought, wow, we're on to something. And so we did one five months later at a bigger venue and now it's kind of become uh you know maybe a, a biannual just shindig of music and tacos and a lot of really cool vintage 911 stuff so it's called luftgekult which means ger in german air cooled <laughs> one more so time please luft is air uh, -huh. uh the cult you can kind of it means cooled in german but we kind of thought luftgekult like Luft a cult okay so sure. uh luftgekult and it means air cooled which means Anything that Porsche produced 911-wise up to 1998 had no radiators and no water cooling. And so that's where we stop. So it's basically from 58 to 98 or 48 to 98, anything that was built, 356s, um, 906s, and mostly 911s. And you guys drove Bruce Myers' K3 1979 overall Le Mans winner on the streets to this event, right? Yeah, I didn't. But um, our second event, our bigger event, Bruce heard. Bruce heard through the grapevine um, that there was this get-together in Culver City, which is pretty close to Beverly Hills, where he keeps his immaculate collection. Unreal place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw you there. And uh, so he emailed me out of the blue and was like, hey, I heard you guys are doing an event. Um, so actually, I think Danny Sullivan told him, and Sullivan's a, a Porsche air-cooled head as well. And uh, he goes, I'm going to bring something, um, <laughs> something special. And I'm like, what is it? You know, because I just nerd yeah, out yeah. about all this stuff. Like, right. I want to know right. th what c the original color was and how you got the car and if it was in your family or blah, blah, blah. And he's like, don't worry about it. It's something cool. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, I need to get you inside because our, our, like, special stuff was inside where the T-shirts yeah. and the posters sure. and the food was. And he's like, I'm like, I need you there by 6. You know, this is my event planner side, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. with the clipboard and the headphones. And he's like, ah, I was thinking 9.30. 
<laughs> so like the little <laughs> bubble in my head is like, all right, do, do this. Let's do the Elvis entrance. Yeah. And so we literally parted the seas of a thousand people and a smoking, idling, 79 Le Mans winning 935, which is a 911 wow. on steroids. Yeah, right. Smoky, yeah. loud, multi-millions of dollars. Yeah. And he just cruises in in this car that most of us have dreamt of seeing once, let alone it cruising down Rodeo Drive yeah. on a Sunday morning. That's awesome. And that's just the type of script that you can't write for these types of shows. And people come out of the woodwork because it's not a concourse. You're not on a golf course. There's no judging. There's no entry fees. It's just... It's just Southern California car people, and we want to we want to like take that laid back mentality. Uh, we've got plans to go to Japan and Germany next year, and we also want to go to the East Coast. But I always bite off more than I can chew, realizing that you know, first of all, committing to a date is not always easy, yep. and then it's a lot of time and effort to get you know 400 cars parked, and in a in a curated way, it's it's not just a parking lot and show up on Sunday mornings at 8.30. Right. We want to tell a story and it, for it to kind of be an experience. It's not micromanaged to like one place, but we certainly kind of organize through era and motorsport sure. versus road. And it just, it evolves and changes. The goal is to have a different venue so that the venue like Deus is, is exposure for the car people and it's a, it's a trip for them. And then all the hipsters who are normally at Venice or the bike guys get to trip out on the Porsche. So right. it's, it's about cross pollinating and not locking anybody out. So you've been all around the world kind of going with the travel theme best place you've raced outside of the country outside of the states hands down surfers paradise i was gonna say australia and i had always heard about it and you know you you think you you've seen it and really what i saw were uh, skyscrapers and you know bikinis and volleyball but um it's just i don't know it's just the i hate this word the vibe it's like everybody's just stoked and it's racing and uh, I don't know. It's like Long Beach with the Aussie laid back spirit. Sure. And that's Australian racing hands down the, is, is just something different that I love. When you went down there for the Aussie V8s, is it as big as NASCAR is here? Cause that's yeah. the way it's portrayed back to the States that like those drivers walk down the street and they get mobbed yeah. by the fans. It's a big deal. So I got on the plane, they hand you the newspaper on the Virgin Australia and like the center of the Australian newspaper is the preview for the race I'm heading to. And then you watch the online on demand and it's V8 racing on the Virgin 747. And then you get off and you go to the, the, the newsstand in the airport to get the autosport or whatever it's called auto action. And there's a standup of James Courtney and you know, it's, it's one of the top, I don't know, three sports. Right. You, you really, when you talk about racing down under, it's certainly V8s and it's interesting. It's like NASCAR and that it's really stayed, strong just down there but i'd say yeah it's it's as strong as nascar to the public in the south you right. see it everywhere and right. it's it's cool though it's it's um it's got a good flavor um you got a lot of european engineering um guys that have gone down there and made a full-time gig most of the drivers are local um because first of all they're good but second those cars are I think the hardest car I've ever had really? to adapt to the driving style of them. You need to be in those cars full season. Right. Um, and, and there's been a few guys from abroad that have made full time swings down there, but it's a, it's a long, hard road to get up to speed. Sure. Um, I've always thought if I was ever going to do it, I would do the second tier sort of equivalent Xfinity nationwide equivalent, Ooh. which is the, all the Dunlop series. Right. Because they're big, big, heavy cars uh, with a lot of horsepower and very small tires and very, hard brake pads spec brake pads and so you, you know it's putting a train on edge and and holding it there in the streets of surfers it's not easy so we have a uh 
couple of things we've been doing from episode to episode and earlier you kind of alluded to this for our next guest so we met with the speed freaks yesterday mm. you familiar with them mm -hmm. you've been on their show apparently yeah they're they're a great group and they've also taken me outside of that robotic state maybe one of you know, a few others so we obviously gave both kenny and crash a question for you and Great. you're going to answer the question and then you'll ask a question for our next guest which will be Oriel Servia so uh, Crash's question for you was how many Porsches do you own? That's not a question I've ever answered um, uh, Have you ever been on a podcast before? <laughs> <laughs> how many Porsches do I own? Roughly a handful that's roughly a handful. <laughs> More than I'd like to admit. Okay. okay so I, I, okay. Give the bug us a has bitten me. Above okay. six yes. under ten. Yeah. Okay. Above enough. six under ten. Somewhere in there. All right. Good enough. Yeah. Right. That's a handful. All right. So the next one is uh, <laughs> from Kenny. Oh, God. Who's uh, <laughs> extreme. Um, is it about like spandex? Yeah. It's it's in that, that, that realm. Um, ginger. No, no, that's my territory. Oh, sorry. Uh, and that joke's played out, so yeah. I'm not going there anymore. Um, it, so, yeah, wait, are the homeless? Oh, boy. All right. Oh, it's just getting warm. Up. Yeah, the yeah, neighbors are just now. waking it's up. 12, 20. Yeah. Yeah. Lunchtime. It's good times. Um, so, not I if you could sit in anyone's seat, but not just their seat. Hang on. Okay. It was specifically IndyCar or sports car for Is some that what reason. He said? Yeah. Okay. I didn't remember that part. Okay. Got it. If you could not only sit in their seat, but uh, their, you know, because it's extreme. Okay. Their, their piss-filled seat. Okay. Kaboom. Yeah, rock on. Rock on. All right. Who would it be? That's not too bad. Like, all right. I, I was. Keep in mind, you can get herpes from piss. I know, <laughs> but Kenny's Kenny's throwing me some big curveballs, like, live on air. Really? Um, so, no, I think I got off easy on this one. Okay. Um, if I could sit in anyone's seat. Piss, now, I guess we're not so talking about filled. their car or the prep of the team. But that was not that was not. Yeah. kind of wants to know who I, who I want to like, who's whose piss, piss I want to sit yeah, in. Yeah, whose piss, piss you want to sit, sit in is basically it. Yeah. Man, I could answer this question, whose piss have I sat in, and that well, would be a long a great list. Okay, well, that would um, be a follow-up. So let's answer. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> my question <laughs> for Serbia. <laughs> 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 it just turned into 12 people asking yeah, about piss. Yeah, basically that question has just turned into, yeah. You're in pass along. Oh, now she's changing. Oh, is um, she? Okay. Oh, wow. uh, she's literally. Show. Wow. Get the camera on, okay. Sean. No, no. This <laughs> is bad. This is a memory I don't want. Um, thanks I don't for, know thanks for bringing me I don't here. know how to answer that. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question as. That's weird. Um, are you turning that. towards Sean so you just don't so catch a glimpse of that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to not be in trouble here. There's a, there's a live homeless show next door. Yeah. I don't think they're homeless. I just think it was a big night. Oh, you think so? They've got like good beach cruisers. Okay, yeah, they're, they're like new. Big They've got good beach cruisers. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing okay. They're yeah. doing okay. That's just a loud Wednesday night in Venice, right there. Um, I'm gonna just pick a random name. Um, <laughs> okay, no, Ryan no. Eversley. That's not true. That's bullshit. I don't know what. <sighs> what, what? How would you sum up? Want uh, someone's okay, key that you want to sit in? What? What I would that? What would that describe them as to you? We've had a lot of driving time to just like think about stuff and so I was like okay I guess for me when I'm like full tilt training mode and I'm hydrated it's just basically coming back out water it's as clear as can be so, yeah. so I thought okay who is like the most in shape person I know because then I would just be sitting in water you know that's kind of the direction I went and then I also thought wow if I went the other way like who's the worst you know like Tony Stewart I wouldn't want to sit in his seat because that's going to yeah, be yeah. just like that's raw urine you know what I mean yeah 
So you fortunately get to pick whose clean piss you want to sit in. Well, you can pick anybody, really. Maybe we don't know what you're into. Yeah, it could be like a, a <laughs> female driver. Awesome. Could be. Like I already. A, uh, I, um, Craig Stanton is the Ooh. fittest oh. human being. Ooh. Excellent. That is a good answer. For answer. What, what does he say? Forty-one years old. We yeah, all know Craig is thirty-eight. He's, he's definitely past the five-zero. Like Sixty-two. And right? that guy's like. Always just smiling and just ran up a mountain and it was 117 degrees. So I'm going to go with your connection to the cleanest pee and take that as my final answer. That is a good answer. So looking ahead in your career, we'll use Craig as an example. So Craig is in his 50s and still happy as can be. Okay. Every time I see him, he's out ripped. coaching. He's Not only is he ripped, but he's, he's pleasant as hell. And I would imagine at that age, coaching newbies all the time, having to say the same good job kind of speech is really, really difficult. And he he, he wouldn't know to talk to him. And he, he may be fine with it. Um, looking at your career, is this is, is, is that a path you see yourself going down in the future? Or are you setting yourself up for for life away from a racetrack entirely once you're, once this all comes to an end? Well, first of all, Craig's way more positive than anybody at this table. Absolutely. And he's way happier. And he's, like, just happy every morning. I'm like, what do you eat? I want that because right, I yeah. can be a little – yeah. So um, the other thing about Craig is he loves the racetrack, like, sure. more than life itself. Sure. And I can't say I honestly, like, live to go rental kart racing on a weekly basis, but sure. I think Craig does. Like, yeah. I see Craig running in the crappiest go-kart at the crappiest track in the crappiest weather, and he's like, this is awesome. I, lo I love driving. I don't know if I can be doing that. I hope yeah. at 50 I'm that pumped. I'm still that pumped today, but Craig got a lot of energy, man. That dude duped me into doing the 25 hours of Thunder Hill with the exact same attitude. He's yeah. like, I'm driving this car, and the team is awesome. It's yeah. going to be great. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I'd never been there before, and it's like, you know, 40 degrees and raining. and In the middle of in nowhere. In the middle of nowhere. In December when the rest of your friends are, like, in the Bahamas. Exactly. And I'm thinking – Craig, I hate you right yeah. now, man. And, he, and of course, the whole time he's like, "Right, isn't this great?" Yeah, love that. Even Brushing when he's his in teeth in the trash can. <laughs> exactly. Even when he's in a bad mood, he's like, "I know, I get it." He's yeah. smiling. You're yeah. like, oh. "Yeah." One yeah. time I was, well, ten years ago, I was at Big Will coaching, and he's like, "Can I go in the right seat with you?" <laughs> and I'm like, uh, "You're winning ALMS races. I'm like just this punk, and yeah, let's go." So. I kill the engine on the back straightaway because I can hear him screaming and I want to hear what he's saying. Sure. So I literally in the back straight, there's no one on the track. I just shut the ignition off and he was saying nothing. He was just like hooting and hollering <laughs> and just like <laughs> sh double shakas like with a three point harness. And I was like, God love the guy. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, one of the, one of the things that made Craig last uh, for as long as he, he, he has and has continues to do is that he's, he's such a good guy that he's the kind of guy that, uh, a newbie who wants to maybe try pro racing and have a co-driver, he, he can latch onto that guy and get himself that ride. Ryan is in this position a lot. You're luckily, for the last year or two, you're, you're not in that position. But, but guys like Ryan, Craig, Andy, they all have to adapt themselves to somebody who you know who can fund their racing efforts. You've been lucky enough the last few years, you, you don't have to do that with the factory deal. Are you? I'm sure you're thankful, but do you see that changing? Is this something you're, 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 you're trying to avoid? Uh, I don't overanalyze it because, to be honest, for eight, nine years, that's all I did. I mean, when we started GT racing, um, well, when I started with Porsche, they were GT racing in pro-am setups. So it was already sort of that way. And I still, on the on the off weekend, will go to Bathurst and run with a friend. Um, so either way, if the, if the equipment's safe and fast and it's a good guy um, who's, who's progressing, uh, wh no matter what his level is, and he's good to go out to dinner with, 
it's it's sorry to be so cliche it's more about like living life than it is like Absolutely. if we're going to get on the podium yeah. i think about it in sort of a a time currency like this weekend i could be with family and friends at the beach or i could be in australia but i'm having a great time and we're racing a track we haven't raced so i don't see it any differently i i will admit that at the beginning of this year when i was told by the factory i'd be full time in gte am coming out of a white factory car and tutor into gte am full time i kind of had a little smirk like okay and to be completely honest i've had as much fun this year and we found some success but we've had fun that it kind of wrote a new rule for me that it doesn't always matter about the caliper of the program it's more about the scenario yeah um because you you know i've been in some high stress high level programs and some of them from the outside would be the dream ride but yeah. inside i was just aging by the hour yeah stressed out strung out driving for my career trying to keep it in the window of being on pace and not stacking it into the wall yeah and those week those years make you a better driver but they are also the years that you're really relieved at the final checkered flag of the yeah, season right. so it, it it ebbs and flows every year is a new adventure that's the easily the best part of my job is that not only is every season a little different but every day or weekend is a little different and that to me is why i think we all do this is that it's a different set of scenarios and scenery every week and it's kind of a traveling circus where you know the people but you're in different environments each week so when you, uh, just to go back to what you were talking about a second ago with uh, being told by the factory you'd be in GTM, as a you know, longtime member of that, that family for the Porsche factory team, do you feel like they, and this is your perception, not what it actually was, I don't care about that. Did you take it as, okay, I'm being moved from the biggest thing to something that's a big deal for them because of the client being Patrick, you know, who they're using for marketing, whatever? Or did you take it as, okay, we're going to put somebody new in a tutor and Patrick's been there, done that. We'll put him into the, the AM class. Because if I'm you, I take it as, uh, the way I would psych myself into it is like, I'm so good that they're putting me with their biggest face on the planet for marketing their company right now, except for a tennis player. You know, that's why I'm getting that ride. I've, I'm glad you saw it that way because I didn't see it that way. And I don't, I didn't assume anybody else saw it that way. Um, but through this year, there's been many people have have come up to me and said like this is cool this is this is big and in the beginning it's just the competition and the ego and you're like wait <coughs> I, i'm gonna have a skinny white suit and now i'm gonna not be in that anymore so the initial the initial fear of that perception is you you've been downgraded so to speak yeah or 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 put onto a special project but yeah, not right, the right. project not the, not the cool right. one right sure but i, I kind of had to practice what i preached all along which is if you're a factory guy uh, at least in my experience you go where you're told with a smile yeah. because it's it doesn't get any better yeah. and and you know they tell you to race up offshore boat or a pink big wheel do it willingly and never like try and lobby for your own interests that kind of goes for all of sports car racing and yeah. it's, a, it's a transition that i try to to cut that learning curve with young guys that i'm working with but also remind myself that if you can put yourself aside you're you're gonna have a long career um and and it's not it's not always easy for me i mean i've got an ego and we all do and and uh this year's been i mean first of all the championship and the class itself are i way underestimated and then we've we've found a lot of performance and and some good success in the second half of the year and all of that was a lesson in don't always assume you know it all and know how it's all going to pan out and it's it's been a a, a good lesson so you've been in the, uh, how long have you been a factory guy for Porsche now? 13 years. So 13 years. And a lot of those guys have been there, like the same driver lineups, or at least, you know, yeah, uh, about half. stable. 
right now you get, you know, Bruce Meyer calls. He's like, I want to run a factory Porsche next year. I'm going to pay for the whole thing, and you're my guy. Who do you get? Who's your Who's your go-to factory teammate? You and York had a good relationship. Is he your initial? He certainly. It depends where and what it is in the car. Um, he, you know, Jurg, Jurg is a guy that he'll tell you himself. He's very intense. He leans on everything from the truck driver to the tires and everything in between. Um, he pushes the envelope, and that's what I needed in my formative years sure. because he was hard on me, but he was hard on everybody else, and I could just be the smile, young, innocent, like, B guy. Um, now Jurg and I are we're both kind of – pushing the envelope so sometimes we wind each other up but <laughs> in, good, in good faith like we're close friends talk on a daily basis um but a guy that like i dig racing with is richard leitz who you've worked with and uh he oh yeah that guy is classic austrian <laughs> like yes, he is. dry humor <laughs> yes he is easy going zero ego hauls ass i mean when you write a, a variety of interests yes you, when you <laughs> when you write your typical teammate up especially if you're as big a pain in the ass as i am you look for that guy, that Marco Seafried, Richard Leitz, you, you, you know, who lets you be the show pony and just gets in and like, it's like, oh, you need me to do a quadruple stint in the rain at night? Oh, I love it. You know, it's <laughs> like the Craig Stanton, right. you know, mentality. So, yeah, Richard's a, another great guy. But, you know, the, the factory team crop of drivers is an interesting thing. From the outside, we're all brothers and best friends and everything. But, you know, you put a bunch of racing drivers in the same space and, not everyone's going to be the fastest. Not yeah. everyone's going to be the, the touted star. And so, you know, there's certainly inner team competition. But I think that what I've learned um, is that there's almost, I told someone this story yesterday, there's almost this self-policing spirit. Now, there's the engineers, there's the boss of the program, but it probably goes for GM or Honda or anybody else. If you don't fit in with the other crop of soldiers, they'll pretty much find a way to either make you want to leave or you'll be you'll, you'll be left yeah. you'll be invited to leave so <laughs> there is a there is certainly a code of conduct in in these greater crops because one time you're against each other on a weekend the next time you're sharing a car the next time you're on opposite ends of the world and then you end up rooming together at a fitness camp so right. you have to merge pretty quickly and there's a lot of cultures in our team different probably as diverse as any manufacturer as large certainly as any culture we're up over 15 drivers but Austrians, Kiwis, Americans, French, German. I mean, people coming from l many different backgrounds, and that's at times can be funny to watch. My favorite thing about, well, anything, honestly, is personalities. Like, I love reading, you know, about people's, like, documentaries and, and their biographies and stuff because I want to know about them. So when I look at, like, a group, in, in this case, the fitness camp is what I was going to be my next question that you just brought up. When you guys go do the fitness camp, is how long is it? Two weeks or something? Or? Yeah, it's, it's it's changed, but, yeah, roughly two weeks. Okay, and there's 15 to 20 of you there, the whole P1 guys and everything. Is that – no, they're not there? No, it's G GT specific. Okay. Do they do their own then separate? Yeah, they guys? do their own, like, mini camp. I mean, they're, okay. they're like – they go on private jets and stuff. We're, uh, we're riding oh. the back of Condor. We fly Condor Air, but no. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's a big group. Yeah, so you guys are all there. And does it, like, click up? You know, d do you have, like, the, oh, the Hensler's always off with sellers because they're Falcon guys, or, like, Pele and Tandy end up, you know, pranking the other two? Is it at all like that, or is it just business and everybody's there? Like, you know, because I, I see 15 race car drivers together, and the first thing I think is trouble. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, everyone's going to be messed with everybody. It's going to be a good time. And that's supposed to be, like, a team-building exercise, as I yeah. understand it from outside looking in. You'd be surprised. It's, it's over the years, like, go back to that kind of self-policing structure, we can move pretty well as a single unit because if you can't, you kind of get chopped out. But yeah, there's certainly like tighter bonds with full-time teammates or there might be this breakaway of, you know, 
four French guys, sure, whatever, sure. Um, you know, someone who will do things like Sean does, you know, those types of people will break off. But sure. um, no, for the most part, we all go to dinner at the end of the weekend. Um, the juniors usually get sent to the fitness camp with us, which is not easy for yeah. them. I didn't really have the the big initiation or the hazing but right. there's definitely some of that these days um that we don't put up on social media but yep. they they get a they get a little bit of razzing yeah, they get good. their their hotel rooms definitely get yeah you know effed up so good yeah. as it should yeah. cool so um so to finish up with the question part of this uh you admitted that you would like to sit in craig stanton's piss okay <laughs> if i read that <laughs> to correctly. recap the highlights <laughs> to recap um so next we're going to interview Oriel Servia, are you good with him? Are you friends with him? Know him at all? Know Oriel pretty well. Okay. Respect the hell out of him. All right, yeah. great. So any question you want to ask him, anything, it could be whose piss would he like to sit in or what would you change if you had a racing genie? <laughs> <laughs> two, Jeff Brown. two different uh, spectrums How there. is it to live in L.A. being from Spain and everybody's like, so where in Mexico are you from? Um, Boom. No, no um, <laughs> I that? literally, literally, I just came up with that. What I was going to ask, what I want you to ask yeah, him is like, sure. um, he came through the La Filiera Elf program m quite a few years before I did. And I just, it certainly evolved yeah, and changed. Like but I want you to tell, I want him to tell his stories about that program because I didn't touch on it very much. And I, I think it was a pretty big part of his career because I remember when he came to any lights he still had it on his collar which was something we all signed and promised to do and none of us did but that's <laughs> the kind of guy Oriel is sure. a another point which you can cut this out but um, Oriel has always worn Stan 21 suits and helmets and like I feel literally that guy is like the lo most loyal I'm nerding out now but like he might be one of the most loyal racing drivers on the planet to wear the same racing suit through umpteen amounts of programs, and I'm sure it's not been a hundred for a hundred, but I think that's kind of the way I would sum Oriel Servi up is that I don't know any other racing driver who's worn the same brand of racing suit for 20 years, yep. and I just think that that's why that guy has had such a great career. Is just he's just a a little bit special in in his his loyalty or personality or what i mean he's d massively talented but he's just he's obviously a cool guy and i i run into him like literally in venice i ran into him at a restaurant and you know who am i you know and he just rolls up and like hey man good to see you and i, I just think he's a is a great great guy did you know uh spence from pelly killed a guy so um i would like to point out one editorial comment actually which is <laughs> you lived in england <laughs> I'm so confused. No, don't, it's, it's best that you don't know. We'll tell you. Don't worry, we'll tell you later. <laughs> um, I would just there's there's no way for you to respond to this, but I just want to make an editorial comment based on some conversations Ryan and I have had. You spent years in England. You oh you, god, you, I know where this is going. No, you don't know where it's going. I do. Um, I, I do. actually you, you think I'll, you know I'll be honest if if I'm right. Go ahead. Okay, because I know you. I think I know where you think I'm going. And it's right. Not. Go ahead. Um, you spent years in England. Now you, I have two ideas. You. <laughs> You have uh, you now worked for a German-based company, and you've worked there for years. You have an international roster of teammates and people that you work for, and, and I'm married to a Canadian. I didn't know that part. I didn't That's know she was probably Canadian. where this is going. No, what I'm saying is, I talk to you, and you still, for the most part, sound like a Californian. And and we meet so many friends of ours who probably never really left the continental U.S. And they still use a lot of bullshit English expressions. They say controversy and <laughs> and something is slippy and shit like that, and it and it drives me nuts. Um, that's it. There's no question. Oh, good. It's just a comment. I <laughs> honestly thought you were hey, going to be like, job. why do you sound like a 
kid who came from international business school in Monaco because I well, do we were sometimes we were, we were making jokes about your Oxford education. <laughs> no, no, it's was not it Cambridge that or Oxford? It's Cambridge. Cambridge. I, know, I didn't remember, mean it yeah. like that. I meant that my <laughs> accent sort of sounds like a Swiss kid who spent some summers in California. <laughs> no, People actually, like on the no. airplane are like, are you Canadian? I don't know. I, I just think I you sound Thank like God. That, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate yeah. that because I get razzed for that. No, you really just sound like you're trying too hard. Right. Exactly. I just You have that like, maybe it's because you're a teammate, but you have that like actors thing. Yeah, uh, where you where you like no 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 Say it's not a compliment that don't matter yeah where you where you like try and talk like calm and slow like what? you're saying something articulate but really it's just nonsense damn there I was so. walking away thinking I really <laughs> can let my guard down for this guy and then you go to that so okay so real quick you do win you're a uh, you're a can you're you a head can you impersonate <laughs> any of your teammates like give me a Hensler just oh, like Zaka is snaky and breaking that's what? actually yeah. good yeah, no that that's actually that's good, good. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. okay He's trying to tell us that the thing's like pitch sensitive. Right. He, the only way he can describe <laughs> it is Zaka is snaky. Okay, so that's fantastic to okay. know. Uh, Jorg. Hi, good morning. I'm Jorg. <laughs> that's actually that's not again. bad. Very nice. Okay. Very nice. Leeds is probably too much like Hensler, but it'd be like, so you've been to, you like Asian girls? <laughs> 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 yes, Richard. Where are you going with uh, um, Who would you like to be stuck in an airport with among your uh, Porsche brethren? Stuck in an airport. I'd never want to be stuck in an airport. Um, I got nothing for you. That's cool. I spend way too much time with all those guys. You're I like none of them. None of yeah. them. Yeah. They don't. Honestly, <laughs> it would be worse for them than me. That's a political answer. Yep. <laughs> no, it <laughs> would be. I talk a lot compared to those guys. Like, like guys, we were guys, in the look, car. look at the new thing. We went from Tokyo to Fuji. It was an hour and a half, and at the end, Makoviki got out, and he was like. Were you okay? At one minute, you stopped talking, and we were wor <laughs> we were like worried about you. Like, but like he was being really, like <laughs> candid and serious. <laughs> and I was actually this is uh, sounds bad. Well, this sounds made up, but I was actually feeling like crap from the sushi we pounded the night before that had its skin still on it, and I was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Anyways, all right, cool. Okay, yeah. Well, thanks. all right, all right. Yeah, that's it. Continental's got the check. Don't Done. don't screw me. Meow. Patrick Long on a roof, deus ex machina, what more could you ask in a free podcast? So, big thanks Patrick Long, always entertaining, really awesome just to see sort of where he's at in life and his career, and, and this is a guy who you can see is, is really just content with where he's at and, and just looking for the next thing and, you know, more power to him, so to sort of kick off our LA round and wrap this episode out, I figured I'd, uh, play for you a little group called the grouch and elig uh, that is e-l-i-g-h uh, also available on itunes here's a song off of an album from the same name called all these lights enjoy I'm cruising, 
Replaying the game and not losing Been banging the name and ain't changing a thing Except won't accept all the rules in it I'm a fool, made bull, no mule in it Hella cool, sharp tools on full limits Dope breaker, go call Guinness This moment left Sony, yeah, we all in it Music is on the table, I'm able to do the limbo Get low and get on the Maybelline, make up girlies a dancing Not on the pickup, not like it, but no romancing The kids in the hall, we ballin', we callin' the spirits of the fallen angels Hands to the sky, let them know that we know that they damn rich And remember the given by God to the people equal or not What's the half like this that get caught in the darkness? One.